I come from Universe A, you come from Universe B, but we meet at the Universe you see. You dig? For real? Call me when you're free. Twenty K dice game, my ass bet my bet. Niggas ain't catch on yet. Catch on yet. I told Bobby all of the keys, then I'm far in the V. I ain't pay that shit back yet. I gave grandma the rent money just for the rent. Eviction notice ain't come yet. All that grinding you did, all that money you spent, these niggas ain't catch on yet. Don't ask me no questions about my political views You know I'm out here making all these invisible moves It's hard to make a profit off these residual duels I'm trying to get my credit, it's like them Hasidic jewels A part of me is left with every shit that I screw A part of me has no respect to say this nigga is rude I'm smart but where I'm from, God don't pity no fools When I was young in high school, we had to dribble to school With no card involved, thoughts of a Porsche involved Fast life, nigga if you slip you get your thought revolved Plus the fact that I was young when he bring me to the crack trap Dollar off a bottle, I bring the money from the pack pack Books was in the house, been putting guns up in the backpack Damn, I hate to backtrack On them horror stories, we got martyr stories Man, the Carter wasn't real, I tell you Harlem stories Yeah Ran up on the plug twice, robbed him three times We asked that nigga if he loved life 20k dice game, my ass bet my bet Niggas ain't catch on yet I mean, I told Bobby, I've actually won fantasy basketball, I don't think you ever tasted the playoffs, so I don't think you should be talking about fantasy basketball, bro, but I, I definitely want fantasy basketball. I, when I call myself the Oracle, it's funny you mention it, because before the season started, I don't know if you recall, we were debating about which categories to put. I told you guys, look, don't do triple-doubles, because if y'all do triple-doubles and I draft first, I'm I'm going to drive Russell Westbrook, and I'm going to win everything. And what happened? I did triple doubles. I drafted first. I drafted Russell uh, Westbrook, and I won everything. So it's like that's why I called myself. That don't matter, though. That was a couple years ago. I mean, it's literally right about now. Now you get in the smoke, and I don't want to hear nothing. Nothing at all. I'm not, I mean, I'm in, what am I, fourth or fifth place? Like, it's early in the season. And I'm, I don't really care about the regular season. Feel me? I'm about the playoffs. I'm like LeBron. I'm saying, like, I, you know, as long as I get in, it really don't matter. I'm going far. So, you have been fucking um, LeBron. And that's another thing. I told people LeBron way back in the day when it was the whole Melo-LeBron debate that LeBron was going to be way better than him. Look where he at. Look where Melo is, bro. Melo a good player. You know, I'm, I'm back to the Knicks. I used to be, you know, LeBron fan. I'm still a LeBron fan, but I hop around everywhere LeBron go. But now I'm back in New York where I belong, man. It kind of fit into because I came back home from school. I'm out of school out here, so I feel like I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a Giant fan, I'm a Knicks fan, I'm a Rangers fan, and that's kind of how I'm marking Yankee fan too. Shout out to Yankees. They stay disappointing me, but um, and that's kind of how I'm That's why I call myself the Oracle. I, I kind of see I see things before they happen, and as they develop, and you know, they tell me swag is, swag is seen, always felt. So, you know, people always feel me. I copy. I heard you. I guess I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a little introduction real quick because we're not gonna just keep you jacking this whole Oracle thing all the way through. So I'm gonna start off real quick and also let the people know where you're from. This is E. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Who am I speaking with today? Um, my name's Quinzel. My friends call me Q. My family call me Zell. I'm repping Harlem, Big H. 
Um, I've been around. I've been some places out in Michigan, for school for a little bit, back to New York, Harlem World every day, double up. Harlem World. What is the whole Harlem World movement? What is that really about? Because I'm from Brooklyn, so you already know. Like, granted, I did spend some time in Harlem. I did move out there real quick, so you you ain't even got to speak on that. But being from Brooklyn in general, Harlem was always just like this this foreign place, foreign culture, foreign everything. What is up with the whole Harlem World thing that you just shouted out, I guess? I mean, historically, if you want to take it back to historical um, reference, you know, back when blacks were migrating north after slavery, like, they found Harlem. So yeah, Harlem became, like, the, I guess, the, the capital, the black capital of America. Um, and then, obviously, you got New York City, which is basically the, the capital of the world. Um, as far as finance, music, entertainment, whatever. And Harlem, and Harlem has been a place for blacks. Uh, and that sense of love, now you've seen, you know, it's kind of gotten a little bit away from that with gentrification, but from Harlem World in the 80s too, like, you know, to the to less extent, like, you know, the crack epidemic that plagued there and then the police brutality and corrupt police force. Like, the whole Harlem movement is just love, bro. It's like, it's hard to explain until you've really been there. Like, growing up, you're from like, the east side or west side? Or does it really matter which side west. of Harlem you're from? I mean, they're, they're different. Like, obviously, like, as in any place, like, people are going to have a certain rivalry, like, with the east or the west. But I'm from the west side of Harlem. Uh, shout out my block, 134. Um, I grew up there most of my life. Um, then I moved to Jersey. But, you know, Harlem always been home. I could just tell you how to get to New Jersey and back. Uh, I mean, my grandmother, my fa- my grandmother, my mother's side of the family grew up in Harlem. My parents met in Harlem. Like Harlem's pretty much mostly all I know, but it's small too, right? So it's only from like one tenth to probably like one fifty fifth, um, both from from water to water. And then out, up there, you got like the Heights, the Bronx, and all of that. But it's it's really a small community. Like growing up, you can really tell. Like yo, like you know, you might play basketball, up basketball growing up with some kid from one sixteenth, and then. It's a small, small circle. Like, y'all might have the same girlfriend or whatever, like, two years, you know, 10 years later. It's crazy. Everybody always knows everybody. I mean, now it's the case because you got social media, but before social media, like, everybody knew everybody in Harlem. And you've seen Paid in Full, like, that's big stuff for lifestyle yeah, in Harlem. Everybody. That's basically like, that's like hood mandatory re- watching. Yeah, there's a couple that. movies in that list. The thing about it, being from Brooklyn, I really. The way I guess people from uptown or people in Harlem, the way you guys would speak about it was like as if it was his own borough or city. It is so. It is his own borough, bro. It is his own, his own borough, own city. Like you could tell when somebody's from Harlem just from like looking at them. Like I don't, I don't know what it's like the aura, the swag. Like you could just tell. <laughs> and I used to say like, "Yo, Harlem make it." I mean, Harlem keep on making it. Brooklyn keep on taking it. And that's always been a fact, bro. Okay. Okay. And back in the and back, right now. <laughs> but back in the day, like um it used to be it's it's a thing where like people come up to New York from the south. Right. Mm-hmm. So I remember like when I was fourteen and like you know, chicken noodle soup was lit. Like the song Chicken Noodle, Chicken Noodle, Chicken Noodle Soup, like the dance and the getting light and all that, you know. When I was back at St. Paul's, I you know, had my famous infamous knee drop, but um, while that thing was going on, like a lot of people have their relatives that ever moved to the South, come to New York for the summer and bring our swag down South, copying the swag. And then come up the next year, we went to a whole nother thing and they still wearing the same thing we was wearing last year. 
Uh, and that's basically, that's just a small microcosm, but that's basically what every other, everybody else does. Brooklyn, you might come take the trek from Brooklyn on the train, come to Harlem cookout, come to the African-American Day Parade or whatever, see, oh, these dudes wearing true religions, these dudes wearing antiques, like, kicks is fresh, like, let me go copy bring that to Brooklyn, because for a while, Brooklyn, Brooklyn was the last borough off the bag of jeans, bro, and that's a big fact, and you can't tell me I'm lying. Look, put it this way, I... I've been traveling around a lot as a young kid, so I, I can't even really speak on that. You know, I'm pretty sure you were traveling around a lot when you were younger, so whether who's on the baggy jeans or who off of it <laughs> doesn't really matter <laughs> at this point. Also, too, because that's just also fake coming back in style, so we ain't even got to talk about that right now, but what exactly? I don't think I'm, bro, I'm not going back to baggy jeans, bro. I mean, I'm not going to, I've never been on a, the tight, Super tight, skinny jeans, but I'm not going back to baggy. I mean, fashion is always changing at the end of the day. I can't. I Wait, you, really really, can't. you really can't what? I can't see myself going back to baggy. That's just like that's like a that was a huge change for me. I remember my first getting my first pair of straight leg jeans. It wasn't skinny jeans. It was straight leg jeans. I think for my 13th uh-huh. birthday. Ever since then, I never went back. That's good. I mean, change is always good. And you've been wait. So you said that you was born and raised in Harlem, and now you're yeah. back in New York or going in between Jersey. You hear people trying to just change the, um, I guess the way certain neighborhoods are even pronounced or even where they start. They trying to call it like Soha or something. What is this whole Soha stuff that people are trying to say now to describe certain parts of Uptown? What is that really about? So high. What's so high? That's what I'm saying. I heard people were describing like South or Southern Harlem that way. We ain't even got to promote that, but I'm just saying that. I'm not jacking that, bro. I'm really not. Like, What has been the change that you've seen thus far? I mean, even in the past five. Well, I went to, we went to boarding school together. So, you know, we, we came home every 10, every 10 weeks or so, every two and a half months or whatever for like the mid semester break. Um, but basically, you know, every time I'd come home, starting probably around like when we started boarding school, the end of the, like the beginning of like the financial crisis or whatever, and like these developers would start, you know, slowly but surely like building up, um, properties in Harlem. And now first it would just be like the demolishing of buildings. Like it wouldn't even be like the immediate, like just going to start building a building. It'd just be like an old building or old pizza shop or old bodega used to frequent like just burned down or like you see getting demolished, construction automatically going up. And you don't know why. Like you know obviously gentrification is coming, but you don't you don't see it later on down the line. But for me, because I was away, I wasn't seeing it every single day. So every time I'd come back, it'd just be like, yo, like this building is a little bit more built. And then it's a little bit more built the next time I come in. And one store I used to frequent isn't there anymore. Or one pizza shop suddenly just burned down and probably they're trying to collect the insurance money. And it's just like year after year, week after week, or every few months, and then now it's just like it's completely different. Like the spot you used to live at, and you know how much like your rent was, bro. Like I could tell you, like that place across the street that was that empty that had the rest. I mean, not the restaurant, but the grocery store used to go to was an empty lot. You could see from avenue to avenue, bro, and that's just all nice luxury apartments. And charging people an arm and a leg, and then not only that, but like. 116th was like 
huge, huge like crack epidemic. And now, honestly, the biggest issue I have with the whole gentrification is how they got how they came around to doing it. Like, you know, the whole stop and frisk in New York. Yeah. When you, I don't think you've ever experienced it or how your experience with it, but I'd come in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, it was just a little bit different though, because of the way gentrification and how fast it happened. At least in my neighborhood. Well, for me, like I'd come home from, you know, charter school, middle school, whatever, and my school is by like you know public housing projects. So I mean, it's not. It was a rough area, um, and basically they did a whole massive sweep. They would just do massive sweeps. You see it on the news, like thirteen members, fifteen members, twenty members, forty members, a such and such gang rounded up, and you know, I see roundup, and basically that's how they called called themselves. You know, ridden the, the place of crime just so they could do their gentrification because. You can't charge people two thousand, three thousand dollars in rent if people are getting shot when you're corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can look at that what they've done to the African American community because the way you get people is like I'm walking home with my basketball teammates. There's fifteen of us. None of us is gang affiliated, none of us is in gangs. We just walk home together like any other you can expect any other American, you know, to do. Um, and then you see a siren or something go by or a police car go by you. They put the siren on, flash the flashlight out the window, and like y'all all lining up against the gate, getting patted down at 14, 15 years old. And God forbid you 14, don't have your. Years old? Yes, bro. God forbid you don't have your 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 driver's license with you or some ID because they take you to the station and your parents gotta come pick you up. Or because like you look, you match the description like of of whatever assailant they're looking for. What exactly? I mean, is I have friends. No, bro. I don't make any sense. Exactly, time. right? Like 14 year old. I'm looking at my little cousin right now, and it's just like, match the description for what? I mean, I mean, some of my teammates look old, but it's like, bro, I'm 14, bro. Like, I don't have, I'm not required. Well, I don't know what the requirement is now, but at the time, I believe, like, you didn't need to have ID on you until you were 16. A lot of people don't get it until around 16. So it's like the whole, this patting me down, the flashlight, like, that made me uncomfortable because I don't, like, why are you filling me up like that? Like, I'm 14. And it's like, so all of us, and like, it's embarrassing when it happens. And it's late night, like, games are over, like, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And look at it now, it's 6 o'clock at night, it's pitch black outside. Um, so that, that wasn't a great experience, but this was all just to gentrify Harlem. Um, and I kind of have mixed feelings about it myself, because it's like, I know a lot of people who, you know, can't, can't afford to live where they, where they used to live. Um, but a lot of people sold their, their properties at discounts. Like, you know, they saw that they bought their house for whatever, 10000 whatever their brownstones, whatever they spent for their brownstone. And if somebody offered you, you know, half a million or, you know, 250 for your property that you, you never seen that much money in life. And then they go flip it and they sell that property for another $3 million where you're losing a lot of money. Yeah, and it's all they about probably knowing. give some of that cash, offered you to move you down to wherever you wanted to. I mean, you still see it to this day. Like, you know, I have one of my cousins. He lived. He lives in, um, you know, subsidized housing or whatever. And they offered him, you know, like fifty thousand just to move out of his apartment, like to go find another place to live because they wanted to, basically, you know, up charge more in rent, right? So if you charging two thousand, three thousand a month in rent versus charging like you know seven hundred, seven fifty. You're going to make that money back in two or three years. So it was like, it's just, it was basically like just a short term investment at that point. He turned it down, but still, that's, that's how a lot of people got exploited. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, I live here. Like, you're not going to force me out of my place. Like, but I also understand the other way. Like, that's the whole American economy is. Like, you see value where somebody else doesn't. 
And anytime you do a trade in any exchange, somebody's got to be a loser. Like you very rarely find like a mutually beneficial um, like transaction in finance at least because the whole purpose purpose of it is a profit motive. We're trying to make money. Yeah, and I talk to my parents about that a lot because we live in Brooklyn right now. And like I mentioned before, now you got the Barclays. And a couple years ago, the Barclays was not there at all. It was the same situation. Open lot, big ass gas station, uh-uh, all that, that was there. And you still, we never put up a for sale sign or anything in front of our house. You have some people down the block, up the block, across the street that did. But meanwhile, you used to have the same people that's coming around, knocking on the door. Oh, like, are you guys thinking about selling? Oh, are you guys thinking about selling? You know what I mean? Really just trying to push us out. And there's some people that we know around the corner, even on the same block, that they haven't seen whatever kind of money that these people have been offering before and decided to sell, move back down south. You know what I mean? As just a quick come up. But since I have so many siblings and so many just different family members, that uproot would have been a little bit different. So they denied. And now waiting out all this time and just seeing property values and stuff increase around us, it's like, damn, like this is exactly why they wanted us out here before you know what i mean not to be able to reap any kind of these benefits of the neighborhood getting better like my like my pops was telling me like back in the day bro like the pizza pizza delivery people they would have to they would never come up to the door you have to go outside go up to the car giving the money in order for them to um actually give you service because they was not leaving their car whatsoever now it's door to door it's crazy like I think you you probably could speak more about this because that whole Barclays thing that was a big like even that location is like two blocks from your crib, bro. Like it's crazy. I mean, it's New York is changing, and it gets me thinking because now there was a corner store, there was a restaurant, and a lot of dope shit is happening. But then it's just like, damn, you know, a lot of people are just being displaced, and it's like, what can anybody doing that today because people are being offered money that they never seen before you know so it is technically helping them but for the long game and long term they obviously there's obviously a, a clear loser on that end yeah i mean i think one of the biggest thing i miss about harlem is like i was speaking about it earlier how like close and connected it was like the biggest thing is like the african-american the parade they parade is nothing like it used to be bro and i think that was one of the big staples of harlem um, I think it was like right after or right before, right after Labor Day weekend, like we'd have this African American day parade. It'd go probably from like one ten all the way up to one fifty fifth and they'd close down all of Seventh Avenue. And half of Seventh Avenue would be the parade and the other half on the opposite side of the divide is just free places to walk. So like you'd have people like set up like, you know, food stations, clothes, whatever. It, it just it and it's all during Harlem week. And because of the violence or and they just shortened it number one and now it's not even it used to be the whole day now it's like only a couple hours and i think i don't i forget where they stop it at now but that was one of the biggest things because we used to have a fit plan for the summer like if you don't get anything else you don't buy nothing for the summer you will buy a fit for this one day and you and all your friends would just pop out and just be lit like that that was one of the things i really 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 enjoyed growing up and that's no longer there and that's kind of taking away a lot of the culture of where, you know, only the people who were, who lived there before all the gentrification and things like that could really speak on, you know, what it is to be like a true Harlemite. Like, it's, 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 it's way, way different. Um, and then, you know, in the 80s, whatever, when people were getting money in a drug game, like, that was like an even bigger degree because now, like, you young, you young, flashy, you got all the jury money, whatever. Not to say I'm condoning that, but that's um where a lot of the flashiness of Harlem came from too like Frank Lucas and all of them they was getting money like I know people who 
who came from that era was getting was getting money. Like that's a fact. Well, El Chapo style. Um, but it's and a lot of those people, you know, been in jail, incarcerated. But my, my even my mom speaks about that era. It's like being, you know, afraid to come home. And thankfully, it's not like that. Like I could walk down the block, I don't even really fear for my life. Um, or like worry about getting shit by a straight bullet. So I think that obviously the safety thing is a great thing, but number one, the means of how they got to that level of safety or certain degree of safety, which, you know, is, is still have those little shortcomings like it's shooting here or there, but for the most part, it's pretty, it's pretty safe. And I, I, I could, I raised my family in Harlem. Like I can't really see myself leaving Harlem. That was just what to ask it. Cause even though it has changed and it kind of lost that vibe, cause I know you were saying that even in the summertime, they used to be, um, barbecues on every corner. You kind of just, since it's just a whole big ass family, everybody gets to eat in the end of the day, right? Yeah, like you, I mean, everybody eats. Yeah, that's Harlem thing. But also, um, you know, like you, I don't know if you came, my God bless her soul, like you came to my grandma's cookout and like the whole block, everybody got a little grill on the corner, like burgers, hamburgers. That's like every, every day in the summer is like that. Somebody's block, you know have a cookout or be a block party whatever and you just go there pull up and be all love um and then you know a lot of the gang stuff or whatever that if you're not involved in the gang and don't got nothing to do with you you didn't have nothing to worry about but it's the people who in that life that's that kind of have to worry about that but yeah i miss those days man it was amazing that's, that's a great place to grow up too because you meet a lot of people you meet girls you meet, like make friends and as you get older, like, I hope that I could, in some form of fashion, like, try to bring a little bit back, a little bit like back to Harlem. But it's tough now, like I said, with the gentrification and people aren't really, like, as accepting of, like, yo, when I walk down the street, I see a grill on the block. Like, now you get a ticket automatically. You can't even go to the park without a permit. Like, never did I ever in my life ever get a permit for a grill. And now it's like it's a mandate. And my cousin did a grill, had a grill in the park for a barbecue and they told me how to shut it down because... It was too big and too much noise or whatever. Like, it's crazy. Damn, that's wild. But then, I mean, at this point, too, I mean, with the change in the culture, and I know you said that you would still like to raise the family there. Like, what are you going to be doing, I guess, to keep that essence alive? Is there anything else that you can do? Like, are you now looking um, for, like reinvesting your own money, come down the line in some property yeah, I mean, I- establishments to be able to keep that feel of actually being in Harlem um, or whatever that feeling or whatever the, the summer night feelings gave you alive. Um, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I got to get to a point where I can make, I can make enough money to buy a property in Harlem, but you're a Harlem. That's, that's, you know, that's, money, money's in the DNA. It's going to come back around. Exactly. Of course, double up. But, um, but down the line is definitely something I'm going to try to be investing. Um, I think uh-huh. the biggest things too is education. Like you gotta, you gotta educate the community. Um, and most, and New York's gone away from it, but there's like a huge, huge, like just dropout zones across New York where like families have like just dropped out generation after generation. And after they change the whole zone and school zone in New York, we, you can go to school wherever you want to. A lot of people still don't. And then the quality of education in New York is kind of like good or bad, depending on where you go. But I think people just have to branch out, um, and just be, Broaden their horizon. Like I have, I've been fortunate enough. Like I explained before, to have, you know, traveled the world, going away. But a lot of my friends haven't had the same opportunity. Um, and so having that opportunity to go travel and then, then come back and then realize that, like, yo, what do you want your community to be like? Like, obviously, like, there's no way because Harlem doesn't have the same composition as it used to. That like, 
could bring the exact same type of Harlem, but like it's more about bringing that sense of community back to the neighborhood, like the cookouts, the trips. Like, and I, I'd one day like to own like a, a large apartment building. Like, that's one of my big, and preferably in Harlem, but like one of my big goals. And then, you know, I'd have like community outreach or community trips, and like at least within my like building or complex, what have you, like I could foster that environment. Whereas then by doing that in my building, other buildings will kind of feel like they have the opportunity to do and replicate, you know, the success that I, I hope, hope to attain. Oh, who's to say?